You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education, brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Remote Possibilities, the podcast that explores the promise and the perils of distance learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. With me today is Robin Glenn. She is the CEO and founder of Base Education. Robin is an accomplished therapist with over 18 years experience in working with at-risk teens. Her history includes roles as a school-based therapy specialist, private practice therapist, treatment coordinator, and research specialist in clinical trials for adolescents with addictions. While serving in her various roles, Robin served on panels and boards for various teen organizations. She has and continues to train law enforcement, school administrators and faculty, medical professionals, and members of the community through various speaking engagements and seminars on issues pertaining to at-risk youth. Robin earned her master's degree in counselor education and counseling psychology from the University of Colorado, Denver. Robin, thanks so much for joining us today. And I'd like to start off, maybe if you could tell us maybe even a little bit more about yourself and base education. Um, so my background is in clinical psychology and counseling psychology and counselor education. And uh, I was in private practice as well as in the schools for many years prior to the launch of base education. Um, my wheelhouse has always been adolescents and children and their families. Um, it, while in private practice, I did work with more of the adult population as well, um, but I kept coming back to adolescents. I just love working with the population. Um, what I saw in the schools as well as in private practice was that students were unable to receive the help they needed in schools. Um, it really wasn't the educator's fault. Um, it was nobody's fault. It's just a fault of the system and the increasing severity and frequency of problems in for students these days. So I had developed a series of curricula that I'd been using in schools for over a decade, and it was gaining popularity. So I started traveling around the state to nearby districts. Um, I then started speaking to other states and other districts outside of Colorado, where I'm based, um, about the curricula that I had developed. Um, and I wasn't scalable. I was a team of one, and I was traveling around, and I was a a parent of my own two young kids, and it became really difficult to have a consistent develop or consistent delivery for these these folks. Um, a school asked us to put our content online, or asked me to put my content online, and um, that that was kind of the first inkling of wait, maybe this could be scalable and this could be deliverable in many ways. Um, it wasn't my wheelhouse at all. Technology wasn't my thing, <laughs> but, uh, my husband who is a technologist and had worked for, um, an online education company, um, suggested that we get the best engineers that had ever worked with them and, uh, put together base education. So we tried that and on our go live date, um, we were able to really sit in front of the students and watch them sink down into the process and we tested it with residential treatment students because we knew if someone was going to hate the program, these are the kids that were going to tell us. So we wanted to know three things. Are we going to do any harm 
will we see regression and will the kids like it? We saw zero harm, zero regression, and the kids resoundingly liked it. So we knew we were onto something that day. So um, by listening to your bio, you've obviously been doing this for a long time. Uh, has the phrase social emotional learning been something that you've always been uh, aware of or using? Now, I know before the pandemic began, it was a phrase that I kept hearing in the, in the coverage of education technology. Uh, it was a little nebulous. It was a little kind of um, gauzy uh, what exactly that meant. Uh, since this madness has begun with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, it seems to be top of mind for every educator, for every person, really, from, from parents to teachers, right? Yeah, I would, I would absolutely say that. The community con- connection was missing. The parental piece was really challenging and, and continues to be challenging. I know parents are just taxed with so many other burdens. It's hard to take on um, what goes on in their child's school day as well. Um, but really, you know, it, it was funny because I hadn't, when we started BASE, I hadn't really heard the term social-emotional learning too much um, as a mainstream uh, way of, of practicing in schools. Um, it was just... It was growing behind the scenes, and it has been for two decades, but um, it was really, for me at the time, it was just mental health in schools. Um, So the popularization of SEL has become quite helpful in... Um, becoming a, a buzzword for schools. It's, it's, I'm finding year after year after year, there's less and less resistance for me um, in, for us really in talking about what SEL is. Um, we used to have to tell people what SEL was and now it's like people are clamoring for it, which is good. Um, I think there's a good and bad side to it. You know, number one, the good side is that it's people recognize it, funding recognizes it, there's federal mandates for it, which is fantastic. I think the downside is that, you know, there are some, there's an opportunistic side there for people who maybe um, are looking for a new business venture, you know? Um, so it's, you know, thanks to Castle, there are some really good ways to vet pr- programs that are um, evidence-based and have a nice efficacy. So again, you hear a lot of people talking about social emotional learning as a concept, but base education, you have a platform, you have a tool, right? Can you break it down on how exactly social emotional learning works in the day-to-day operation of of a school? Yeah, sure. So in social emotional learning, there are three tiers of students. Um, tier one is the general education, um, general population of students. And then tiers two and three kind of go up in severity of need. Um, and so BASE is absolutely suited for all three tiers. And, you know, initially, actually, we started for tiers two and three, the kids who had a little bit more advanced needs, special programming, um, with that one to one solution of let's give modules that wrap around this student's specific situation. Um, what we found, you know, about six years ago was that schools were like, wait, why can't everybody else have this? And we were like, oh my gosh, they can. We just didn't think you were ready for this. Um, so really the schools helped to get the tier one solution out there. And what we're seeing now in the delivery of tier one is um, schools are actually making time for this in an electives course, health class, um, in homeroom, advisory, um, science. And so we're seeing credits being given for SEL now, um, at least for our, our platform. 
Um, so schools are getting very creative and working it in in a way that works for them, but is also advantageous to their students' academic outcomes. Okay, I think we've got the background suited up pretty well. Now the uh, the million dollar question: uh, Where were you when everything changed? How did the, uh, the pandemic come to affect base education? Um, yeah, sure, I can definitely speak to that one. Um, I was in Hawaii on spring break. Um, and we had left to go to Hawaii just days prior to things taking a turn for the worst. Um, we had no idea what we were in for. And while we were there, um, I was receiving phone calls that things were shutting down. Um, people were going into quarantine. Um, so we knew that this was going to be a problem, um, (laughs) more so than what we, we initially thought. And, um, it was at that point that we pivoted, and while in Hawaii, my team and I um, quickly got out a COVID course for everybody um, to help educate the population, um, a student population. Um, and then we were like, you know what, this is this is going to be long term. We're in for we're in for a long haul. So we started immediately working on our remote learning plans. So in many ways, you guys are at the the right place at the right time, right? Even as everything went fully remote your technology supports that sort of dynamic. Yeah. So, you know, the good news is for us was that we are the only fully online solution for SEL, um, which means that there for other programs, there can be a, an online delivery of the content, um, but you don't hear back from the students. Maybe there's paper or some other way to hear from students. We are fully remote, so we deliver the content to students online, and we also hear back from them online. Um, So students are able to type their responses, and the response sets go directly to their their supervising adults in real time for progress monitoring. So their adults can see everything they write as well as everything they delete, and they are notified of any potentially harmful language that the student types immediately. Um, so we were like, oh man, <laughs> we're good. Let's, uh, let's leverage this because this is what, this is what educators are going to need. They, they don't have access to paper. Um, and right now school class-wide conversations are tough. Zooms can be tough. Um, so being able to give that to them was, was wonderful. However, um, you know, when we look at student equity and access issues, not everyone has an internet connection or even has a technological device for that matter. Um, so we actually had to go uh, retrofit backwards into fitting into downloading some PDF content for students. Um, so, but it was, we were excited that we were able to provide that online solution quickly. And so you also already kind of had the capability to reach out to the wider audience that a lot of education is now just realizing, A, the parents, uh, and B, some of the other parts of the wider community. Yeah, so we actually have content for parents, we have content for educators, and we have contact, content for students. So we really have that systemic approach of connecting uh, the content to all three areas. So when you mentioned earlier that real that need for community connection, um, that's being a systemically oriented program. That's really what we aim to do is bring those three together. Well, there certainly hasn't been a more uh, important time to be able to reach out to kids, right, when they're remote and isolated and 
while there's many negative things about technology, this seems to be a positive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, the main thing we tout through our program is that you will absolutely see uh, a, a, a knowledge curve in getting to know your students quickly and sharply. Um, students divulge a lot on this online platform. I mean, it's where they are. They're digital natives. And a lot of times, can, most often, actually, kids feel more comfortable typing things online or texting on their phones than they do speaking in person, which is unfortunate, but at least we have a way to reach them and meet them where they are. Um, but yeah, I mean, we absolutely saw the need for connection and we saw that happening. Um, and the emotional support piece is enormous. You know, a lot of kids um, in this country and even all over the world don't have access to emotional support systems um, for a myriad of reasons. And it's not for lack of trying. So we feel really privileged to be a part of that solution. Have you had to make any adjustments to your curriculum? I assume probably some additional uh, professional development for, for teachers, maybe. The great news is that we don't really need to change much. But what we do need to do is um, really help these educators clarify and really get down to the pinpoint of how to implement this, when and where. We really need to spoon feed this to them because they've got so much on their plates. Um, they're trying to to teach the basic academics while worrying about loss of students or inability to even reach them. Um, so what we've done is we've created a prescribed remote learning plan that tells them week one, here's what you do, here's how to do it, here's what to say, here's what not to say. Um, and we give them a variety of ways to implement it and teach them based on student access or their comfort levels. So um, really that's the only clarifying point that we've had to hone in on just to be as helpful as possible. I really, I, my heart goes out to these schools and educators. It's a really tough time. So all these aspects can actually be tied into the academic calendar of the day. So, I mean, these, these sort of aspects are being woven into, into math class, into science class, into, into English class. Yeah. You know, I think that you can sneak in morsels of SEL in, in everything you do um, for an educator and actually anyone in life. Um, I think by being mindful of um, the student needs, the student anxieties, the student stressors, um, you can normalize that within a classroom setting. And, and, you know, before a big test comes, let's talk about it. Is anybody having any major stressors about this test, any anxiety, um, any major fears? And you can normalize that in a group setting. And when other kids see that their peers feel the same, and then the teacher can really validate those concerns and give them tips. Um, that's just a tremendous piece that it takes very little, but can be acknowledged. Um, I think, you know, so often it's, it, we gloss over these subjects of um, what's, going, what's going on from the feelings department behind an academic concept. Um, you know, I know that had I been talked to in math in my freshman year about, you know, how's everyone doing with Algebra 1? Um, you guys, you guys, you know, just talk about the feeling of learning. Um, I think you'll see a greater, um, increase in engagement and confidence. Um, had someone acknowledged my anxiety around the initial framework of algebra, because I had never seen it before other than basics in middle school, um, I think it would have eased my, my fears. And now it's funny talking to adults now, like, oh, do you remember when we were in algebra one and Mr. So-and-so was so intimidating and that class was horrifying and everyone's like oh my gosh that was one of the worst classes we've ever had um 
you know, if we'd had that, we were all in the same boat mentality, I think maybe we could have eased that stress a little bit. I also think, um, you know, kids are fighting battles every day that we can't possibly begin to know. And um, teachers really taking the time to have that trauma-informed approach of understanding most kids have gone through some kind of trauma, especially now, um, and speaking to them with the understanding that's going on behind the scenes um, and knowing how and what to say and what not to say, I think that can be a tremendous impactor in just gen ed. Talk a little bit about the different age groups. Um, are there different techniques for different grade levels? You know, we started out with, um, with the same framework for all age groups. And um, it's very quiet module. Our modules are very quiet with large font, vivid imagery, very engaging. Our courses do not look academic in design at all. Um, we want to tap into the emotion centers of the brain. Um, and so we launched a couple elementary courses with that same model in mind. The feedback we got was that it was, it was effective and kids liked it. Um, kids could take it one-to-one -one or the teacher could um, teach it to the classroom as a whole and follow along courses do not look academic in design at all. Um, we want to tap into the emotion centers of the brain. Um, and so we launched a couple elementary courses with that same model in mind. The feedback we got was that it was, it was effective and kids liked it. Um, kids could take it one-to-one -one or the teacher could um, teach it to the classroom as a whole and follow along. Um, what we also have always wanted to do though is embed video concepts um, with discussion points. And so um, there's a time and place for videos. I don't think videos are the end all be all. I think they can be a nice addition to the way we teach. Um, but a kid is not going to apply a concept to themselves just through video alone. They need to really like learn the concepts, apply them to themselves and be able to look introspectively. So we are embedding videos with our um, introspective, quiet content to get that overall sweep. And I think that piece is going to make a tremendous impact with our elementary kids. Um, and I think as we, you know, as you go older from middle school to, to like seniors in high school, um, they're just going to respond to the content based on their develop, developmental level. So a middle schooler may respond on a more of a, a basic, um, you know, general framework versus a senior who's getting ready to go out in the re real world and their career college ready. Um, they'll be able to look at it from a more mature standpoint, but you just, you can't go wrong if you're, um, if you're really giving the, the opportunity for self-engagement and self-reflection. So let me ask you a forward-looking question. I mean, what, what's next? Now we have this platform and uh, you know, the silver linings uh, out of this entire pandemic is that maybe these technologies and these platforms at a remote level will really become entrenched. So what does that mean for base education? What's next for you guys? You know, obviously, we want to get this into the hands of every single kid who needs it, um, every single educator who needs it. You know, we offer some really in-depth professional development courses for, um, for educators to really help themselves battle their own demons when it comes to addressing SEL. So first and foremost, we need to empower these teachers and educators um, to feel confident in delivering SEL themselves and really understanding you can't do you can do no wrong so long as you come from a good place and you're trying um, i think the real sad story is when we don't approach sel concepts at all because of the fear 
Um, so we want to get rid of that fear-based thinking for sure. Um, you know, and long-term get it into these kids, the kids' hands, but also we really want to be able to morph into, um, further innovation with kids, whether that's, you know, artificial intelligence and looking at AI or virtual reality. Um, we never want to stop advancing and we always want to be interesting for the students. Um, so we've got, we've got our, our sleeves rolled up and we're ready to, to continue this road of innovation. And, you know, that's, what's fun about being a technology company, you know, mental health first, but technology is our platform. And so being a SaaS based platform, there's so many possibilities, um, to make this exciting and interesting. And, um, yeah, really, we just, we look forward to seeing what comes next. And that's based on what our clients ask for. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to Remote Possibilities. I hope you click around and find us for another episode soon.